BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello and welcome to the show. If you're enjoying it and want an ad-free experience, consider signing up for the Patreon patreon.com slash the 101 podcast get early access and exclusive content on there as well for less than the cost of a cup of coffee links to ways of supporting the show are in the description thank you so much for listening and enjoy this episode previously on shadowbend syndicate juan joel and sean grabbed their lab coats safety goggles and disposable nitrile gloves to delve into the gene splicing that is the ancient chimera. Questions arose like was the Iliad's own chimera actually the first? Did unicorns run around rampantly in biblical times? And is Joel secretly trying to hide from Sean and Juan his Nephilim heritage by shaving his ginger head to infiltrate the crew for nefarious purposes that will be revealed at a later date? The episode spiraled out of control into the origin of the Ubermensch, Crowley's Moon Children, Soviet Ape Men, and lastly the current hybridization of the reemergence of the Nephilim themselves. You think you're fooling everyone, Joel? Ha, ah, everyone but me. But regardless of one man's motives, the crew now trains their focus on the task at hand. Find out what these are, and more on this episode of Shadowband Syndicate. Welcome back to another episode of the Shadow Band Syndicate, because we're Shadow Band. There's no point in having this many. There's no point in having this many followers on social media if no one is looking at your stuff. So welcome back, everybody. Hopefully the intro is a banger this time, because I know a lot of people liked the intro last time, and it got some cheeks extra perked up. So. Welcome. We're going to be talking about Stargates and not those kind of Stargates, but the Stargates that you can travel interdimensionally 
and all that stuff. So we're going to get into it. What's up, guys? How have you been since we last recorded? Been great, man. Always great. Yeah, man. Great. Doing good. Awesome. Trucking along, man. Getting ready for this live show. Well, by the time this drops, the live show will be over with. Oh, but yes. We'll be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys. I think this will be out before you get... When, when is that? October what? 6th, 7th, and 8th. Oh, so maybe not. Okay. Nah, yeah. We, we, this this will be out after. Yeah. No problem then. Well, either way, I'm going to drop a sound clip. Uh, my newest sound clip, which I know, Sean... You don't have, and you're never going to have it because this is custom. And I know it's for that crowd out there. It's for the crowd that, you know, doesn't believe in certain things. And here it goes. You ready? You ready, yeah. Sean? You ready, bro? You ready for this? I'm ready. We're going to start it off with, with, with this right off the bat. Ready? Space is Fake and gay. Gay. <laughs> space is fake and gay. We're going to get into a little bit of space talk today. So everyone, for the sake of conversation, let's go ahead and suspend disbelief for this one episode, for the duration of this episode, and just have a good time. Let's relax. We might throw in a little bit of glow birth in there as well. So just don't, don't be alarmed. All right. Let's just go ahead and just loosen up. Relax the anus. Right, because we gotta relax sometimes. <laughs> yeah, let's jump into it. You can find me tjojp.com at the one on one podcast, patreon.com slash the one on one podcast. Joel, Sean, you guys wanna plug your stuff? <laughs> you can find us at killthemockybirds.com. What was yeah, that, and bro? if you're looking for us individually, just go to at Sean Chris Music or at Van Tesla Music, and you can catch any of our music at any streaming platforms at Joel Thomas or Sean Chris. And pretty much you can catch all that stuff at killermockingbirds.com as well. So really, killermockingbirds.com is the best place to find everything. Right on, bro. I just want to say Lights on the Mesa is my favorite. My new favorite, bro. At first, it was 30 hours because I told everybody I was doing like the the Indian sound in the background and people believe me. <laughs> but now it's Slice on the Mesa. So, yeah, that, that, I'm going to play it at the end of this episode. But so we're going to be talking about Stargates. And this is an interesting topic because I've watched the Stargate movies and the show, right? And... I recently watched The Flash, and this is where you're going to help me out, Joel, because I know this is your specialty with superheroes and whatnot. I had zero, and I watched it because of my son. Okay, I watched right. it because he likes Flash. And there's a Nick Cage cameo in that movie too, bro. Superman. Crazy. Yeah, he was Superman. And Do you know that Nick Cage was supposed to be the first Superman in the Tim Burton world when the original Batman 89 came out and those three movies that came out or four movies counting George Clooney, that universe, Nick Cage was set up to be the Superman in that universe. Matter of fact, there are all kinds of behind the scenes footage of Nick Cage back then in Superman suits, as well as the Brainiac suits and everything else they were going to do. Tim Burton was on the verge of shooting it. They actually had everything together and Nick Cage was set to be 
the lead in that universe and then everything fell fell through there's actually documentaries about this it's so big because it was so close to happening they had spent so much money on it already so the reason why they put your boy nick cage in the flash Hail movie nicholas cage <laughs> the reason why they put nick cage in it is because they wanted to give it a throwback to that whole thing that went down so that was the reason that he showed up in this new flash movie was because he was supposed to be a superman in that tim burton world originally or and you think, it may be a mandela effect <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna talk about that today maybe because i know you guys just did an episode and we might bring it up because it relates to something i brought up but I had I had no idea about that, Joel, because, again, I'm not real big into like DC Marvel and I kind of just turn the movie on. It's one of those movies where I watch it with my son and then I end up being more into the movie than he was. So I was like right. watching it and I'm like, Yo, this is, it's pretty good, right? I had no idea about the Chrono Bull and the the space, the speed force. I had no idea what any of that was. And then when he starts to travel again. He was time traveling, but kind of sort of the multiverse interdimensional. So that's why when I thought about this episode, I said, okay, we can probably tie in time travel, interdimensionalism, and all those other things into it because it kind of goes hand in hand, right? It's kind of sort of along the same line of thought. So when I'm watching this movie, first of all, great movie, amazing movie. I really enjoyed it. Uh, when he starts to, you know, speed, I was like, okay, that, that's really cool. But I had no idea about that. And I did it. And I had kind of read about the Nick Cage cameo a little bit. And I and I caught some of what you had said. But I had no idea about that because, again, I'm not real big into it. But, yeah, so the Chrono Bull is a feature of the Speed Force where Flash can look back in time and interact with the past, which blew my mind, bro. Has He's always been able to do that since, like, the original Flash, right? Yeah. Wow. Jason Garrett was the first Flash. He's the one with like the little metal helmet. Yeah. Like the little metal hat. And he was the first one to do it. Um, but obviously, like the later iterations, like Wally West and uh, Barry Allen and those guys were able to do it as well. Now, not every Flash has been able to do it. And not every Flash has the ability to tap into the speed force the same way the other ones do. Like Barry Allen's the best. He's always been the fastest Flash. Oh. So he's always had that ability to, matter of fact, he goes so fast at one point to change the Earth's rotation, to rewind the no, Earth at one point. No. Even though Superman does in the old films. You, you can't um, do that. He, I know, I know. There's no, there's no Earth. It's a stationary but, plane. But this You're, is fictional world, though, so I can oh, talk about it. That okay, way. all right, sorry. So, you know, he's trying to reverse, and he actually becomes a part of the speed force. He runs so fast that he actually just goes interdimensional completely, Whoa. where he just disappears. I got to so, agree with uh, Joel that that is the best Flash. He is, man. He's the best one, man. I mean, I, I got a two thumbs up that. That's for me. But for me, I started thinking about the Stargates because... We did an episode on Kill the Mockingbirds, Melonheads, and um, we were talking about it. And then Joel kind of like we, Joel had introduced spoiler spoiler alert, like you know what I mean that the Melonheads might. We were talking, and they may be some kind of gray alien or something like that. And he introduced the idea of maybe Aleister Crowley could be part, you know, he, alchemist, 
trying to make these gray aliens for the fallen or whatever they may be. And then the melon heads might be part of that. And then we talked about the Stargate in Michigan that like is underwater. And then we were talking about how he could be traveling back and forth through these Stargates and portals. And, uh, that's how I really got the idea of it. When we like, when like where we're going to go with it. Cause I was like yeah. going down it for a little bit right now. Like ever since we did the episode. Well, that's the thing. The whole Alistair Crowley connection and I was digging deep for that one. Crowley was in the States when the Melonheads mm -hmm. show up with this whole story of Dr. Crow, C-R-O-W-E. So I connected that to possibly that he was slipping off into these areas in Ohio and in Michigan and doing some, you know, interdimensional research off in these areas with these stargates because there is supposedly a massive stargate in the Bermuda Triangle in michigan lake so that's that's pretty known as far as locations for stargates it's in like your top five mm -hmm. when people talk about stargates sometimes top three so that was interesting when we kind of found that connection with crowley because i noticed when the stories the mellowheads were popping up and the story of dr crow i was like i wonder if crowley was in the states then and he was he was actually in new york for four years during that period of time this is when he supposedly met with tesla and they had all these uh you know obviously i think that they were trying to open some stargate there at tesla tower he and tesla probably did um as a matter of fact so i i think that crowley was doing a lot of occultic uh, stargate opening and entity bringing entities in i think that was more of his goal I, I don't know if necessarily his was to get out so much as it was to bring entities like lamb in because he did talk to lamb when he was in the united states so that's a whole other piece of that so yeah i, I i'm with sean on that I think there's a huge connection there with the Michigan because of this Dr. Crow. And I started looking at the spellings. I mean, it's awfully similar to Crowley, the way that Crowley was spelled. It just took a little off. So these children that they said that they, that he was helping this Dr. Crow, while these children weren't necessarily, I don't think children, I think these were entities that people were seeing in the woods and maybe these melon heads were entities that Crowley may have started and maybe handed it over to some other adepts to work for him in these areas. Because even when you talk about Connecticut, where the, uh, the other third place that melon heads are seen, that's where a lot of the Salem witch trials and, and a lot of this occult, uh, uh, um, activity in the past and even some of the bloodlines went through these areas the 13 bloodlines so all this stuff's connected uh with stargates and interdimensional beings that's what you have to think about too it wasn't just like and we're going to get to nimrod today but it's not just like nimrod trying to get to heaven or this other dimension trying to break through there but some of it is i think people like crowley we're bringing entities in. And I think that's where you're seeing a big influx in the grays and, and some of these things too. And that's where I think it works on all levels. We don't have to just be like, oh, it takes you to space, right? That's kind of like the premise of a lot of stuff we see in movies and stuff. Like if you go through these stargates, you're going to go through space. You're going to find... <laughs> is fake and gay. gay. Don't ever mention space around me ever again, Sean. <laughs> because like Joel said, if you're getting entities, the portals can be through dimensions, like the way that we see it. It could be on all. So for flat earthers, it could work for you guys too. I'm just saying portals, these stargates, and it's great for I think us 
to break it down because there's a lot of physical evidence throughout the world that we can point to. It's not just something that we're like, yeah, some guy said in this form in 1993 that like he saw this one thing. Like it's a lot of evidence to it. it's kind of to me meshes a lot with the hollow earth theories. And I believe that there's a connection between these stargates and uh, the hollow earth. Yeah, that's an interesting connection you guys made with, with Crowley and the melon heads. And also the idea of the, don't quote me on this, but I think it's the Typhonian OTO because I've done work with, right, we called it Kenneth Grant portals and buttholes because I think that the, <laughs> there's this thing that I dubbed a Sodomic time travel. Now, don't Google, you know, for those listening or, or watching, don't Google that, please. It's this thing that we came up with, with that involves Crowley and the idea of sodomy uh, in it, activating some sort of interdimensional travel now again this is ongoing research so don't quote me on that but don't whatever you do don't google it but the idea i think it's the typhonian oto that they use lamb the picture of lamb as a mandala and what they do is they will meditate upon the picture of lamb right this little egg-headed thing and what they say happens is you're supposed to do these chants and all these different things and you're supposed to focus your intention on the eyes of lamb this is why it's important sometimes to really be aware of what you're looking at especially when you're researching the esoteric and the occult because there are things that could possibly affect you without you knowing so when you're looking at all these right me that i'm always looking at all chemical plates and all this stuff this is why these shows are important because we do the dirty work for you so you don't have to open yourself up like sean did and experience some some interdimensional being trying to crawl up your cheeks right so we're here for that we'll, we'll let sean handle that part and then you know we'll do the research for you so make sure to like comment subscribe but the idea and maybe a donation <laughs> maybe a donation right? <laughs> hit that cash up <laughs> <laughs> so the idea that they stare into the eyes of lamb and they're able to enter the head of lamb and when they enter the head of lamb they're able to use lamb's head as a spaceship or a shuttle of some kind to travel in these other worlds or the mob zone or universe b or the upside down whatever you want to name it and this is in their this is in their literature now if it's because a lot of the, the this talk about stargates, interdimensionalism, I think that there is a part of it that is physical, but there is also a part of it that's spiritual, psychological. Like there's, I think it exists on multiple layers. And the interesting part about the Flash is one of the things I didn't know he could do is he aligns his atoms right to the atoms of the wall, and what do they call phasing? Right, is what they called it, where he's able to phase in and out of like solid objects and that is an actual like there's actual science behind that everything is a frequency everything is resonating at a certain frequency and if you're able to align your hand to the frequency of this table you're able to right transcend and pass through that table and i think that's that applies to this idea of stargates where there are places where the veil is thin right and maybe perhaps you could physically walk through a portal, but I also think that people can open up portals with their minds. They can up, open up portals with, with, with books or portals, right? And, and like something about the imagination, which we're going to get into here. I have some stuff on that as well. But yeah, the, the idea of land being used as a sort of spaceship to travel to these other realms and they're able to explore and they specifically tell you 
If you don't have experience in these other realms, don't leave the head of lamb because the head of lamb is supposed to protect you in a sort of way. And the head of lamb becomes this egg. So you have the egg symbolism, which Crowley was obsessed with the egg, right? The melon kind of looking thing, right? The egg. And he was obsessed with looking for the egg. I think Iowas or I don't know if it was lamb or Iowas had told him to look for the egg. So it was super obsessed with the egg. And also it's, I think, Lieber 6-9 where he talks about in order to succeed, you must suck eggs, which is, again, weird. You know, you need to succeed to succeed. So again, some weird stuff going on there, but yeah, that's a really cool connection. And also, I, I do think that he was about bringing forth these entities, right? He talked a lot about Chornzon, the the guardian of the abyss, right? This this demonic entity that Edward Kelly also came across. But I think that that's what H.P. Lovecraft was also being contacted by. These elder gods or the great old ones that were on the other side. And it's weird because... You, you mentioned something about Crowley leaving out certain letters, right? Well, we know Crowley would align certain names and things according to his Kabbalah, right? The, they would align certain names to certain numbers to align. They use it as a sort of talisman, like the sort of language to, to hack the matrix. And there was an instant, and I think it's Peter Lavenda that writes about this. And I think it's the, the Dark Lord, if I'm not mistaken. And in that, he talks about how Crowley was in touch with an entity, was in contact with an entity that called itself Tatulu at the same time that H.P. Lovecraft was writing about Cthulhu, right? And we know Cthulhu and these ideas that H.P. Lovecraft was being presented was being presented was through his dreams, right? So again, this idea of not only are portals physical right in the sense of like the stargate where you have the stargate and you're able to walk through it but i think that there's something about like the realm of sleep and the 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 waves in which your body falls into right theta and all these different sleep states that you're in you're resonating at a certain frequency right your entire body your your heart rate slows down your breathing slows down so you're almost in a trance when you're when you're going into these deep sleep these deep sleep states and God knows what is able to, right? I mean, Sean knows what's able to touch you in certain areas, hmm. but right. What if things are able to interact with you more freely because you're more relaxed and your cheeks are relaxed, right? And, and you're just in this, in this thing where you're more vulnerable, right? So I think that's a really, really interesting connection there. But Since you bring up holes, you know what I mean? The uh, mainstream science also touches on, stargates pretty much right the uh einstein rosenbridge right Wor wormholes but but that Sean, is einstein kind of like a similar thing was a fraud okay i just yeah but he was also an occultic fraud so like i'm sure this was put out there intentionally so that we could kind of understand and another fraudulent uh group as we'd call it nasa also uh, uh, <laughs> you know, the Operation Space Paperclip <laughs> is fake and gay. They admitted to the idea of Earth portals, right? What of NASA's spacecraft, the Themus, and the Themus, let's go to what that is. Themus was an early bridge of Zeus and his first counselor. So that's what they named this uh, plan. And Cluster Pros from Europe was a mass enough observational data to confirm that a magical stargate portal exists in many locations. So they, the mainstream science also agrees on this. Like 
they know that there's something to this and they kind of play on it. That's why I think they want it to only be thinked as something for space travel. They want it to be like, oh, you know, it's uh, get you to, uh, uh, you know, light years away and this and that. But I'm more with Joel. I think it's more a dimensional because uh, when I say dimensional, that could be like where entities are. That could be anything. I don't really know exactly what a, the alternate dimensions are. Right. We don't know if that's even like an afterlife. We could go on and on about that. I think that that is more what it is, is where you're getting these creatures and entities and demons, for lack of a better term, into this world through these different strategical places that are created. And I think there may be some for good and some for bad, like both sides, like me and Joel always like to talk about, hey, if there's all these occultic people that are trying to do all this damage, there's got to be another group, right? God has to have another group, a counter to this insurgency of his earth. So I think when he, you know, the Lake Michigan one, I agree. I think that one is more of a alchemical uh, Crowley or maybe other, I'm not just him. i shout but, out for that, by the way. <laughs> when you want to alchemical or anything. I'm going to owe you one on that one right there. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I got to owe you one on that. I'll, I'll get into the bank later. I'll get into that double up. Thanks, you know bro. I mean? You know, I got I got double up, double up, double up. And I owe you. Yeah, <laughs> and I owe you. That one would, to me, maybe more of a fallen, let's say, bad guy, for a lack of better terms, Stargate. But then you get into one, the one to me that the one in Peru, the Gates of God, is an ancient site discovered in 1996 by a local tour guide. And according to Lure, the massive stone door was a portal through which heroes of the past entered to join the gods into the next life. Stories also have it that a few of those heroes were able to return through the same door accompanied by the holy gods to expect the world they left behind. So that kind of gave me the idea that there's some that are bringing negative energy and negative entities and possibly different kinds of creatures and things to this earth that are more negative and then there's the other side to it, where God's people is bringing His army, I I think that may be where these uh, these playgrounds come from, where these both sides are kind of like getting their people from. Now, I want to say this: when you're talking about uh, flat Earth, and I don't think Stargates negate that if people believe yep. in flat Earth, because there are a lot of flat Earthers that don't believe it's a dome system that think that the lands just go out and there is heavenly bodies in the sky. It's just more of like a fish tank is per se where it's layers. So I think even if you believe in a flat system that stargates could still exist when you're looking at trying to get to some of these heavenly bodies which could be um systems that angelic beings have uh cities and different things like that which you're talking about mars and cydonia and all those places i think that maybe that's where that comes from now i'm not and I think people listen to the show know I'm not really an adherent to the flat earth system. But if you are, it doesn't negate You're not? a Stargate. <laughs> it doesn't negate a Stargate. I, I think that I've, I've talked to plenty of flat earthers who believe in heavenly bodies in the sky and how that, that still exists. And it's not some sort of hologram or whatever else that goes on in a dome system. Um, it's, it doesn't work that way. So I think that Stargates are interdimensional. Absolutely. Can they take you to other planetary systems? Yes. I think it's both. So I think you've got a combination of 
what you have to go interdimensional to get to these places. Now, one thing we haven't talked about are stargates that can get you around the earth itself. And I think that those are pathways to get to another place very quickly. And I know that it's been said that the Raphaim, because of their fathers, the fallen, were taught um, alchemical speech patterns that they could uh, uh, open uh, uh, up. Shout out. They could open up portals to be able to move very quickly to other places on the earth um, in battle or wherever reason they needed to get to. So I think those are stargates as well. I don't think stargates are indicative of getting to a star or a planet. And I think that's what a lot of times people think when they hear stargate, but I think that it's a combination of, I think it's just a, a tunneling system, a quick tunneling system that can get you from A to B a lot quicker. It's a portal, man. And I think yeah. that's what gets everybody confused is when we call it Stargate sometimes. Like it seems like I, in the name, right? You say Stargate, you assume going to the sky or what you consider space is gay. It's the idea oh, before you can do it. <laughs> and if you notice, fake and gay. I know a lot of people don't believe in nukes, but when you first hit it, it's almost like you're dropping it like a boom. Space. <laughs> and then it comes. Fake and, fake and gay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and, I, and I'm, I'm with you guys on that. I'm actually going to have tomorrow, I'm going to have on a friend of mine who is filming a documentary. He just went to the uh, Aramu Muru gate, and he has actual footage of it that when he went a couple months ago. And we're going to be talking about uh, the idea of stargates and all that stuff as well and portals. And the... There's move. There's various movies, right, that we've seen, and one of the ones because you brought up black holes earlier, Sean, right, and this idea of we've all heard it before. Like, if you enter a black hole, like, do you die? Do you go to another place? Like, where where do you go? Is it's kind of sort of like a wormhole? And I, I don't know if you guys seen the movie Event Horizon, right, mm -hmm. where they get kind of teleported to like this other horror s cosmic like dimension right like this other thing and it was caused right the, the event horizon right as a homage to this idea that in a black hole you have the event horizon being what what do they call the event horizon it's a a, a boundary beyond which events cannot affect an observer hmm. it's kind of right that's a very weird wording that they would say that right like almost like you're outside of space and time like when the event horizon happens right we have Back to the Future, which is kind of sort of, again, not so, a Stargate per se, but again, this idea of having this time machine, the 88 miles an hour. And I think the, was it, what chemical, what element did it use to power? Was it plutonium? Let's see here. I have a, yeah, powered by plutonium. And the interesting part about plutonium is that, Pluto in the occult, not only is there a feature, so to tie it, to, tie, to kind of weave it together, H.P. Lovecraft actually predicted Pluto five years before it was even brought up and identified as a planet. Through it's a, not a planet. Through it's a, not a planet anymore. Mainstream. Well. NASA. Well, first of we all. We listen to NASA space. here. Well, space is fake and gay, but. Is for the sake of conversation, guys. We love okay. NASA. And and NASA, right? We we I love NASA. So the he was presented 
a vision of Pluto before it was actually considered a planet at that time. I think it was a 1920 something five years before it was adopted as a planet. And there's a feature on Pluto that is named after Cthulhu, the HP Lovecraft Cthulhu. There's like an entire mountain on Pluto that is named after Cthulhu, HP Lovecraft. And it's kind of a homage to him, but plutonium, it's interesting that they use this to travel through time because the concept of Pluto in the occult, the way I've been, I've come to understand it is that Pluto represents the most outer limit of perceivable reality for humans. And again, I know it's, it's, it's going to turn to but this is again, what I've learned from the occult. And this is in the literature where they see Pluto as a sort of gate. Okay. And you have HP Lovecraft writing about the silver gates, right? Outside of space and time, right? Holding a sort of key. We always talk about these keys almost to unlock what to unlock a gate to the, a star gate perhaps. And one time I did a, I did a presentation on this and I had a, a listener email me and they emailed me something really interesting because I didn't really know what to think about it because in Gnostic cosmology, every single orbit of every single celestial planet was a different dimension. And in order for you to achieve divinity and escape this reincarnation, this hell essentially that we're living in, according to Gnostic cosmology, according to them, hell is ruled. This reality is essentially hell and it's ruled by the Demiurge, which is the Satan archetype, which again, that's heretical. And that's why the Gnostics were wiped out because they were like, yeah, Satan created this entire world and we're living in his creation. But essentially they saw every single different orbit as a different dimension. And when you would go to escape this dimension, you would have to travel through these different orbits or dimensions, right? And you had to learn every single name of every demon, which were the planetary spheres or celestial bodies. To them, they, they represented different demonic entities. So in the sky, when they would look up and when they would see the planetary celestial bodies, they were seeing a different demon. And in order for you to defeat a demon, you need to know its true name. And this listener asked me, they, they went, is Pluto the exit? Or is Pluto the entrance? And I was like, that kind of had me shook for a second. I'm like, that that's a good point. It's like, do we exit through Pluto to whatever is on the other side? Or do we come in through Pluto? Because Plato talked about how the spirit needed to transcend the celestial, bo the celestial bodies before making it, right? The soul before making it down to earth or whatever it was. And again, I could be getting that backwards, but he talked about the soul again, transcending these planetary spheres or, or planes, whatever you want to call it, or dimensions, right? Let's call it dimension. And it, it's crazy that the ancients were having ideas like this, that every single celestial orbit was a different dimension. And I mean, if you really think about that, we don't know because we haven't been out there and space could potentially be fake and gay, but what a cool concept to think about that, right? Because you have Right, movies like the 2001 Space Odyssey, where they go through that portal at the end of the of the movie, and essentially he what he transgresses back in time, right to this this he 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 lives his entire lifetime, right until he becomes like this sort of light being, right almost like he went back in time, but then kind of traveled interdimensionally, right. So you have these concepts presented in these movies. 
And again, back to the future plutonium. And when that, when I saw that, it stood out to me. And the other, the other interesting thing about plutonium is that, let me pull it up here, that plutonium resembles, let me find it here. Anyways, I couldn't find it. I can't find it right now, but it has to do with the, we did that episode on Falconelli and how they, he was able to predict nuclear energy essentially before was actually before the, the, the actual project that the, the government had, the government was like, who is this guy? How does he know these secrets? We got to find him. Right. Cause if not, he might be a spy. He might be whoever. Right. And one of the things that plutonium, I'll find it later, but the, that yeah, producing plutonium in useful quantities for the first time was a major part of the Manhattan project during world war two. So again, kind of sort of, and it's developed, it helped develop the first atomic bombs. Now I know some people think that nuclear weapons are fake and gay, but I've heard before again in this occult literature where they talk about these nuclear weapons opening up rifts in space and time and potentially opening up portals for these entities to come in and out. And you Think can about this. And, and and I know Joel, you went to Skinwalker Ranch recently. And yeah. I learned something very interesting because and correct me if I'm wrong, Joel, but were they not testing nuclear weapons? At Skinwalker Ranch or near the vicinity of Skinwalker Ranch? Yeah. And you were talking about nuclear technology. One that people don't talk about is the Demon Core, which was set to drop on Japan. And as a matter of fact, the scientists that were working on it said that there were entities that were speaking through this Demon Core while they were building it. So I've, I'm of the, the – here's what I think about nuclear technology – I don't think it's what they're telling us it is, but I do think it exists in a format that can do a lot of damage. But I don't think that it's composited of exactly what they're telling us either. So I think that's something that, you know, Sean and I did an episode about nuclear technology. And that was one of the things that we came to the conclusion of, especially with someone like Falconelli, who just has this knowledge of nuclear technology that the governments are trying to get a hold of him and understand how he has it. I just think that nuclear technology has been around since the dawn of time. How many times have we heard about global resets and part of it being some sort of nuclear technology? So we know that for a fact. I think where the whole nukes are fake thing comes into play. And I gay, think fake that and gay. Right. And gay. And, and gay. I think that people are on the right track because I think those old films were truck juice. I think it was very similar oh, yeah. to the moon landings. <laughs> I mean, they weren't, they were fake. Those we are know great. that. But I do think that there were deaths, massive amounts of deaths in Nagasaki and Hiroshima. These things existed. I, I think that's where people sometimes get a little disillusioned with some of these massive things that happen like 9-11 where they're like no this didn't happen nobody died no they did part of the sacrificial rituals that they have to perform is people dying plus if people are really dying you can get people to do things 
on a whim or by their emotions. They're signing off on whatever a government wants to do. So I think similar things happen in Nagasaki and Hiroshima. I think people, a lot of people died, but I don't think that those bombs were of the composite or composited of what they said they were. And I think it is more, for lack of a better word, magical, maybe what's going on inside of this nuclear technology. So I think it's existed for a long time and clearly great alchemist of old understood it very well. Yeah, that that kind of reminds me of when I was looking that. at this stuff. Uh, I saw uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson like on this little clip, like going through like uh, like Facebook or TikTok, one of those, where he's just going through it. And he was on a podcast <laughs> just because he said the moon landing. <laughs> I mean, he was like, <laughs> he was like, how could we fake that? We didn't have green screen technology back then. You're like, what, bro? You're saying that we could get to the moon, but we couldn't figure out how to do a green screen? <laughs> like, that's crazy, bro. Like that. I'm like, man, how dumb do you look? I mean, that's I, that's why I'm like, no wonder nobody believes this crap when you got people like that. But some of the stuff that we're doing, like the Philadelphia experiment, right? Not necessarily. It's kind of more of what Juan was talking about with Back to the Future, where they're trying to find a way to cloak or make something vanish. And I think some of these experiments that they try, they whether intentionally or maybe they don't all know, but maybe there's a Focanelli or some occultic aspect that is involved in the group, but, you know, maybe just like kind of a side guy where he's not really mentioned a lot. And that got me to thinking more, and you brought it up earlier too, Juan, like alternate dimensions and things that are happening. The Montauk Project, right? The same thing that we, uh, with the whole uh, Stranger Things. I think that also, it could be part of what these portals take you to. Um these alternate dimensions that are like maybe just prison type or just a hell for a lack of a better term to make it easier to understand it like a hell on earth type of thing that locks people into these uh patterns and maybe that's where we get some of this uh these theories too about you know everything being fake and uh you know we're living in a simulation because okay. maybe there is this simulation portals that people get trapped in that look like a matrix that's right okay, that you get, think yeah, that turn them gay or if they're gay they turn straight man like or gayer <laughs> he's like man i couldn't even believe i'm gayer man how did this happen <laughs> i think these upside down worlds or turn the world to where you don't understand it anymore and i think we get glimpses of that like you said in our dreams so it's not just with you know physically going through it our mental because we're just these beings and i think that we make up like we see our bodies because we know like hey we're supposed to look like this this is that but when we get into this dream realm that's where we can be attacked and i think we do go through multiple different portals and things of that nature that montauk project to me really is another part of because they're not just doing like experiments of looking for a stargate but it's looking for other ways of either helping the fallen or alchemist or whatever the occult you want to put in that place but there there is these dark arts and people are trying to find ways to get these entities whether it's their powers or to look cool like whatever the reason could be a little bit different like you know i'm edgy bro i fucking summon the demon bro like you know what i mean like there is those people too but i think the montauk project reminded me similar of some kind of stargate portal and then I uh, uh, address it more like you said, Juan, is like that it comes with our dreams, though. Yeah. And what I meant to say earlier was that in nuclear fission or fusion, fission, I guess is how you say it, 
one of the byproducts is plutonium, right? The, the, some neutrons that don't get absorbed in the process turns into plutonium. And the reason I bring that up with the Falconelli stuff was because the whole barium thing that helped them produce the nuclear fission and, and all this, right, that led to the, essentially nuclear power. And then I brought up that picture of the demon core, which has a sphere of plutonium that surrounded it. Right. So again, I think that when they're dealing with these and it's interesting because I'm doing an episode on elementals and the idea of entities coming from certain elements, right, of air, wind, water, fire, whatever it is. Right. And I think that when they're playing around with these with these elements and all these substances, which they truly don't know, they, they, they essentially stumble across this tech by accident. I mean, that's essentially what it is. They're like, whoops, uh, you know, sugar, spice, and oh, everything nice, right? Like, oh, and chemical X. Oh, shit. Like, he just, like, knocked it <laughs> over, and it just, like, created, like, these, you know, homunk girls that came, right? The Powderpuff Girls. Like, that. that's what they, that's what it is, essentially, right? Now, you could tie that into the Dominions, which is the angelic hierarchy, and Dominions were said to have those types of... uh traits like water air fire mm. uh they would rule certain dominions but they had these elemental powers and this is something that even fallen angels are or just angelic beings in general there is a class of them that have dominion over these elements so you could say that's good and bad it's not necessarily all fallen yeah. or just using this power or good angels as well so i do think that there's a battle and maybe that's some of what you see um when you're looking at even storms or anything else it's some sort of battle going on between uh angelic beings I mean, what are they called dominions so you're saying that they have something like this <laughs> oh dude i remember that show is that the captain planet right the silver guy yeah. Damn. that's a pretty occultic show if yeah. you go back and look at well, it it's actually now. the beginning of of uh the the getting the climate uh the, the yeah, climate yeah. cult started man it really I was i love that show but i i don't believe so, in the whole book. <laughs> joel let, let, let me set you up because i put here i put here something that everyone in the community knows and loves right let's let's talk a little mm -hmm. bit about this idea that uh, there was this kid on a little bit ago that I'd seen a video of that predicted that your boys at CERN had supposedly ripped open a port, a portal or a rift in space and time, whatever it was, and that it shifted us to, into another timeline and all these different things. Well, this is at the front of CERN, right? And right. supposedly, uh, I believe this is, this is Shiva and Kali is the counterpart. It could I, I always get a mix up anyway. She's doing the, the dance of of destruction. And this kind of again resembles how you said in the Bhagavad Gita, the Mahabharata, there's all these ideas of what would be right, Thor and his his lightning bolt. These are kind of sort of hints at nuclear technology. Uh there is the site of I think it's Mohenjo Daro, where there is still radioactive bodies right that are sort of petrified almost of some sort of cataclysm that happened and again where were they getting it in egypt you have glass in a, i forget which part of egypt but there's a uh, there's glass in the sand 
And in order for you to get that glass and that sand, in order to, to crystallize the sand and turn it to glass, it needs to be heated up to a crazy temperature. So again, hinting at, did they have some sort of tech that they could have used in order for, like, for weapons or whatever? You have the, I think it's called the, that three-prong prong thing. Is it a Vujra, Vedra, something like that? Where Now, I know that when you're talking about that glass, uh, there's been theories, and when you're talking about the Ramanyana and uh, all of that, the Mahabharata and all of those texts where they do talk about the Vimanas being yes. able to create that kind of heat as well. Plus, they talk about chakra weapons where people are able to align their chakras in a way that they can pull fire from the heavens to burn in to burn these uh battlefields so i that pull energy a, from my they, root chakra joel from from the sacral the root chakra right there in my gooch area that's where i pull my energy from and then i concentrate that out. energy you brought up that glass though do you know that glass was also found in a necklace that was made for king tut Oof. when they went down into king tut's tomb that this piece of glass was super odd and like what is this and when they found that glass in the deserts they matched it up and they said that the only way that tut could have had that necklace was if uh he was able to get a hold of something that could burn mm -hmm. with that kind of heat the problem is to burn with that kind of heat like you said it has to be something nuclear and i use the word nuclear loosely in the sense of what they say nuclear technology can get to on heat index factors so that's what we mean by nuclear i'm not saying what they say a nuclear bomb's built of i'm just talking about nuclear uh fission or technology however you want to word it but that is what King Tut had in his tomb. And it was a necklace that was made of the same glass that had to be with that technology mm -hmm. to make it. So that just ties Egyptian culture into also, you were, you're just talking about Indian culture, all this stuff in ancient times all comes from the same place. They all yeah. knew about the same technology. Absolutely. And I've always said that CERN, and various pieces of technology, I'm, I'm going to set you up, Joe, I'm about to throw you the ball here, are modern day towers of Babel, right? They're, they're dealing with forces that they don't understand. And wasn't that movie Angels and Demons at CERN? And you're talking about how when we see these storms or whatever, they could be entities interacting with one another, right? What if these entities are plasma? And they're in the plasma and when they react with one another, they, they, you know, they, they collide and clash and, you know, all the, all these different things. So I've always called the pieces of technology that are pushing the limits, modern day towers of Babel. And I know that I know what the tower of Babel means with the word Babel means or Babel, however you want to say it, what it means. You want to take over Joel? Cause I know your nipples perked up. Yeah, I, I was definitely going to talk about that because the Tower of Babel ties into two known biblical characters. It's not just the typical that people know Nimrod, but also Nebuchadnezzar II. So both of them tie into this Tower of Babel because Nebuchadnezzar II rebuilt this ziggurat as the hanging gardens so this was part of what he was trying to rebuild or get re-access to what nimrod originally yeah, was trying to tap into no now nimrod's only mention you're cutting out joel of course I, when, when you bring up the nephilim you're cutting out you're already cutting out 
And he's frozen. And Am I back yet? Do we? Yep. Kind of, sort of. And he's starting to. I la- could see him. He can. La- he's he's laggy now. Now he's <laughs> now he's the laggy Joel. Am I still lagging? No, you're good now. Okay, yeah, that's I don't know, man. Yeah, it's it's it definitely happened. I'm about to get into Nimrod, and you know the Nephilim are coming up, so it's it's bound to happen. It's it's always gonna happen. But um, yeah, Nimrod's only mentioned three times in the Bible: uh, Genesis 10, um, Chronicles one, and Micah, and he is said to be well. Ne- okay, so Nimrod's name currently or what people think is he's a mighty hunter that's whenever you look up the word nimrod it says mighty hunter but it actually had different meanings for his name and the semitic root which was romanized to marad means to rebel so honestly really his name means to rebel and he was rebelling against god because he wanted access to heaven without having to worship god he wanted to take over whatever was going on in this other dimension. Now, some people think he was really building a tower. I don't think he was really building a tower at all. Now, if you want to look at it as like in a some sort of pyramid structure, a little bit or some ziggurat that has again. a portaling Joel, access system at the top. lagging again, bro. Did we lose him this time? We can, you know what? I, I think I got something for this, man. I think we lost him fully this time, bro. So the powers that be, there, there you go, Joel. We can see you again, bro. We can see you. So we every time we pick a date to record the show, the powers that be, I guess, know that we're gonna talk about Nephilim. And I promise you, every single time we've done an episode that talks about Nephilim, there's a there's a storm that always pulls up and it's usually a pretty bad storm that pulls up whenever we go to record it to the point where we've had to actually reschedule because of storms that pulled up whenever we're going to talk about some Nephilim stuff, which maybe yeah. it's a coincidence. And I actually not. got, what's crazy is it was going out on my end and I got up to check it and it kicked back in. <laughs> so it's definitely like entities or something messing with us right now. Cause I'm about to get into like the heat of this ziggurat. So what I was saying was, if you're talking about some sort of tower being built up, maybe some sort of pyramid structure or ziggurat where there was a portaling system or stargate at the top. I think that's more likely if you're looking at it from that angle. But Nimrod, he's he's very interesting character because he is a grandson of Ham. And if you know anything about Ham in the Bible, he had that whole craziness that went down <laughs> with his dad noah where it again it's one of those weird scriptures where did he see him naked did he try to do something to him did he you know i i was talking to thomas recently on his podcast and he mentioned what if what if noah was doing some sort of uh alchemical magic and he walked in on him doing that and he's something he wasn't supposed to see that's highly possible too um but what's funny is that ham gets cursed and his son canaan but his other sons don't get cursed which cush was one of 
or Noah's other sons, and that is Nimrod's father. So Nimrod wasn't part of the lineage of Ham that was cursed, but I, from all intents and purposes, I feel like that Nimrod had a real hard on for the Nephilim. I don't believe he was a giant, and I know there's a lot of people that think that he was, or he held some traits or genes from the Nephilim. It's possible. I'm not. I'm not ruling it out. But from the stories that I've read, his his drive for power and his drive to get to this level of trying to create a Stargate or portaling system to get to heaven or wherever God was at was because he wasn't a Nephilim. That's what drove him to that fact. Now. During the time of Nimrod, there were Raphaim that came back, and and it's said that he had actual Raphaim women that he considered as part of his harem or wives or whatever else that he had going on. So it's it's highly possible that I just think I'm more in I'm more in the camp that he wasn't a Nephilim just from all research that i've done but it, it's possible you know what i mean it, he could be maybe he held some sort of uh gene that was you know regressed and it came out when he came out but i know some people are like well ham his his granddad was cursed that means he was cursed it wasn't because kush well, was his father and kush was not cursed he just had like i said he had a hard on for the nephilim themselves and that's where he wanted to uh go with his uh, with his power. And in saying that, um, it's more in the rabbinical literature that he was the guy that built the Tower of Babel, but it's not actually proven because the Bible doesn't say emphatically that he built it. It's just saying that he built Babylon or Babel at the time, and people correlate it that he built the Tower of Babel, because it lines up time-wise. But it was never, like, absolutely said that he was the one that built the Tower of Babel. And it's not even mentioned in the Bible that he was a bad person. But when you line up extra-biblical scriptures to what he did during that time period, he probably wasn't a great guy. He probably did build the Tower of Babel. Or maybe not bad, just like ego-driven, right? Like, you know, like you said, like, doesn't necessarily mean they're a truly evil person. Right. That, but the ego Some little dick energy, bro. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it happens. What I think, too, is that, like, that's way possible. Because I know that, Joel, you've said for a long time, like, you know, that the whole Tower of Babel is, like, you know, like, they say stairway to heaven, but you always said it. You've always said that it's like some sort of portaling system, a technology that we kind of don't really understand um, anymore. And to kind of connect a little bit, I know this is like about 2000 miles away because it's, you know, Tower of Babel is roughly like in Iraq modern day. You know, that's where you would consider it kind of being in. But about 2000 miles away in a little island off of like Asia, Sri Lanka, right? And they had this kingdom. I'm not going to go by their names. I'm just, it's called the Land of Kings. You know what I mean? I'm not going to even try. I got Sri Lanka right. So that's, uh, that's good enough. Two points for me. Shout out for Juan for uh, uh, sending me that link. Um, <laughs> but the kingdom was established in the island in 37, I mean, 377 BC. And there's this Golden Fish Park, a 40 acre, acre urban park surrounded by trees, uh, Buddhist temples charts that align and this map this map on a stone 
that is some believe is the maps to all the stargates uh uh which i think that this map in sri lanka is what you were talking about earlier joel it is the portals that get you through um hollow earth and how i kind of understand hollow earth and uh, i'm not sure everybody agrees with this but it's similar to what people have described like a honeycomb right i mean not as big but like meaning so many different it's not just some big hollow like you know empty space it's just all these little different tunneling systems which i believe is different exit ports from like we talked about a long time ago i think like a year ago when we did like a uh hollow uh earth episode we were talking about how you know the ones in kentucky and that's how people get over here and get over there i think that the sri lanka map may be is it this something one? that it no it's on a stone it's actually like a stone it's carved into the side of this flat rock do you have the name it's a uh, sri lanka just put sri lanka stargate it says the unsolved mysteries of Sri oh, Lanka gotcha, Stargate. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. yeah you'll good. find it right there. Because it even has a this center. Thing. Yeah. Nice. Yep. So it's on that stone. And it there. does remind me too of like occultic stuff. Like you see how like the certain shapes the sigils, and like the. Yeah. Yep. I think this is some kind of map. Now, do I know what it is, where it's located? I can't tell you that, but there seems to be something connected with this. And. So, really quick to to backtrack a little bit. The we'll get back to the Sri Lanka Stargate because I have some ideas on that. the The actual word Babel or Babel means gate of God, right? Mm. So from Akkadian, right, it means gate of God. And I have my own ideas as to it. Let's say that, and I, and I want to read because it's a Genesis. 11, 1 through 9, I'm going to read this. And the whole earth was of one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said to one another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And this is from the King James Version, by the way. Shout out to King James. And they said... Go to let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name lest we be scattered abroad upon the <clears throat> face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one and they have all one language. And this they begin to do and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. And th this idea, what I was thinking... Oh, you read that out was about to do the same. Oh, my bad, my bad. <laughs> no, you're good. No, I was like, hey, you just did work for me. <laughs> and, and let me know what you guys think because this is what's being put out there, right? The exoteric. Now, what about if they, right? These these were different times, okay? They, they, this These were different times. I think that the, re, I think reality at these times was different. 
I think that reality was was different. I think that the veil might have been the thinnest, right? And things could come and go as they pleased, right? Because we had all these these things happening in the world, right? What if they perhaps saw that there was a portal or an opening, right? That they could perceive because things were different. And what if this scattering and changing up of the language means something else? And the scattering of the language is maybe scattering of the frequency so pe so that man right can't perceive what he's seeing and he stops. But what if there was an opening at the at, in the sky somewhere and they were like, yo, what if we build a... <laughs> at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We build a tower just straight up through there, right? We always see this with like Mount Olympus, right? It's right above the clouds and all this stuff, like going through the clouds. Well, what if they did see something in the, like opening up and they're like, all right, well, we want to build a tower to go through it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I like that idea a lot. I, I lend a little bit more to there were some fallen entities guiding in that direction into saying that, hey, if you build this here, you read the scripture and in 11.4 where it said, let us build us a city and a tower. Mm -hmm. Tower is Migdal in Hebrew. And that there's different meanings for it, but one of them is a pyramidal bed of flowers. Mm. So from all intents and purposes, it was a ziggurat. It was a pyramid that they were building up there. Also, the one that they built in Babylon was, was called Edamonchia, was also translated to house of the platform between heaven and earth. So they were trying to build something up to connect to this opening or at least a rift that they were pushed towards getting to, right? I don't know what other technology they needed to open it. And I'm going to get into some crazy stuff about Nebuchadnezzar and his uh, run-ins with uh, portals or stargates as well. But you were just talking about the language being changed now, there's some interesting thought about that, too, because it said – now, people know uh, – I'm sure there's plenty of people out there claiming they're these en energy workers, but there are people who are energy workers or you know somebody who's an alchemist who's able to transfer energies. It said that they were – it's possible that during this time – and I'm a big adherent – in the past that people were able to use the spiritual side of their brains more than they use them now. So what if they were able to speak to each other in a different way, using some sort of telepathy or using some sort of frequencies that they were connected to something spiritually and then trying to go up and, and get into this rift to get into heaven, to take over that God was just, he cut them off from this frequency, and that's why people had different languages when essentially 
Maybe they had different languages all along, but it wasn't it didn't operate the same way because they were on a different spiritual frequency because of that. And because they tried to get to this rift and it could be possible that they got to the rift and them touching this rift or whatever else caused this reaction, this chain reaction to happen because they couldn't get through. So I, that's possible as well. And I did run across uh, some people talking about that. And that was a very interesting thought to think about that. Maybe it wasn't people's actual languages getting changed, but it was a frequency that was cut off that now they weren't attached to that frequency. And now they had to change, you know, how they even talk to each other. Yeah. What if God was just like looking down through the road, like these motherfuckers, man. They always up to no good, right? And then he's like, "All right, let me just zap them real quick and just like, you know." But yeah, that, that's something I thought about. What what if it was, right? This this that they were literally looking at the portal, and they're like, "All right, we want to go through it and see what happens." And Sean, you want to add anything before Joel gets into the Nebuchadnezzar? Because I have some stuff on Nebuchadnezzar as well. Oh no. I really have, like I was just listening. <laughs> Joe, you want to get into Nebuchadnezzar and then we'll Yeah, yeah Nebuchadnezzar's and, and, a and lot let me of show fun. you this picture and the reason I I thought about this, right? This idea of perhaps there being this opening at the top that mm. they could see, right? And they're building this tower up there and, and God's like, mm mm, mm mm, not today. Mm mm. Not today. <laughs> so Nebuchadnezzar, another one, another interesting cat in in this yes. this mythology cosmology god he's very interesting uh because he built the ishtar gate and they rediscovered this ishtar gate in 1899 and then in 1917 uh german archaeological team uh actually i, I believe at that point was able to get it all out and then after World War One, part of the gateway, there was a smaller like anti-gate was also reconstructed. So you can go see this Ishtar gate, which we won't get into a whole lot about Ishtar. And I feel like both of our audiences have heard probably Ishtar to the blue in the face, but Inanna, the ancient Mesopotamian goddess of love, war and fertility. So that's what he built this gate to. Um, but the, the odd thing about the gate is it was supposed to be an entrance of kingship because the gate was where the kings of gods and men together re-entered Babylon in triumph after symbolic rituals at the temple. So this gate is a physical gate, but I do believe that in that vicinity, it's possible that the gate also had a metaphysical portion as well to it that people could walk through or these entities came through because it did said the gods would come through this gate of Ishtar. And this was something that Nebuchadnezzar himself built uh, because of this. So again, it's it, that part of it is up in the air, but it's an interesting thought. It's something I thought about because of what he called the gate. Uh, the gate of Ishtar and it being a brawl and sense of purpose, a portaling system for gods to come and walk amongst uh, the kings and the humankind, which, 
you know, back then they thought of a lot of these kings as gods themselves. So Nebuchadnezzar would have been presented as at least some sort of version of a god, even if he wasn't. So Nebuchadnezzar and this idea, right, he also had access to the, right, uh, was it Nebuchadnezzar and Nimrod, the furnace? Where they, they... So Nebuchadnezzar was with the furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were three of the Hebrew prophets that he kept on along with Daniel. So Daniel was a big prophet at the time. So yes, you've got this Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it really starts, though, with Daniel. So Daniel, he has, so Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And all of his soothsayers and all of the people that he's got on the payroll that, you know, are connected to some of these demonic entities and everything, they can't give him the answer to the dream. So he brings Daniel. Because he feels like Daniel's going to be yeah, able to tell right him. There, so he tells, he tells Daniel that, and I'm going to read some of this from Daniel 4, 10 through 17. Thus were the visions of mine head in my bed. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. The tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached unto heaven, and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much. And in it was meat for all. The beasts of the field had shadow under it, and the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the burrows thereof, and all flesh was fed of it. I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and holy one came down from heaven. And he cried aloud and said thus, Hew down the tree and cut off his branches, shake off his leaves, and scatter his fruit. Let the beast get away from under it and the fowls from under his branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with the band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven. And let his portion be with the beast in the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from man's, and let a beast's heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. This is matter decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones, the intent that the living may know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomever he will and setteth upon over it the basis of men. So he tells this to Daniel. What does this tree mean? This tree is fruitful. It's plentiful. Then all of a sudden it gets cut down and hewn down. So Daniel basically tells him, like, the tree is representative of you. This is your kingdom that you've built up, but you have decided that you don't want to have anything to do with God. So what's going to happen? Your heart will be changed to that of a beast, and you will you're, you'll be running around in, in, in the woods for seven years, which actually happened to Nebuchadnezzar. And this is in other tablets that have been found that it was proven that Nebuchadnezzar went mad for seven years and was in the woods for seven years. So that's a pretty known fact. Also, it's very telling that they're talking about the Watchers. And we know who the Watchers are, which are angelic beings. They're not necessarily fallen ones, but they are angelic beings. And it's also an Egyptian name for divine being or Netter, one who watches, and they call it the Netter Netterland, which is very similar to Peter Pan and the Never Neverland, which that is where it actually comes from. So that is the land of the watchers that it is being talked about uh, in this scripture. So Daniel tells him, he's like, you need to turn from your ways. 
Nebuchadnezzar does for a couple days, right? But then Nebuchadnezzar gets back to his soothsayers, gets back to the people that are talking to him, and he decides to build this freaking massive three score, 60 cubits high golden idol. And it's supposed to speak like the dragon. So he is, he's, he's, saying that he wants it to speak. So he's praying to his gods. He's telling all his people that it's going to speak. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't speak. So he goes and gets Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to prophesy to him. And they basically tell him along the same lines of what uh, Daniel said. You know, hey, this is their bad things coming. And he's like, well, you need to worship this idol like everyone else. And they refuse to do it. They refuse to worship this idol. They won't do it. So he likes them. But, you know, you got these other soothsayers and stuff. Is their competition like, listen, man, they didn't obey your decree. You're the king. You have to kill them. So he's got this hot furnace that he's going to throw them in this, this they call it the, fi- the fiery furnace, that he's going to throw them in and burn them. Now, according to the Bible, he throws them in this furnace, and he's, he's just distraught. He didn't want to kill them, but he has to because he made this decree, and, and the people that wanted them dead are telling him, you have to. So he's looking at the furnace, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in this furnace walking around, and the fires are not burning them up. But there's a fourth man that is now walking in the fires with them. And he's like, did I not throw three people into the furnace? Why are there four? And at first he thinks it's an (laughs) angel. And then he realizes, he says, it's the son of God. It's Jesus. At this point, he realizes that this is God himself walking with them. Now, there's some interesting things about this furnace. Was this furnace an actual furnace or fire or was this a portal or a stargate now it gets it gets very interesting because the the verse daniel 321 it says the three men put on their coats their hats and their other garments and were cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace why would they put on a bunch of clothes to then be burned up in this furnace was there astronauts then you have to start thinking what are what were the clothing that they put on? Well, some some people think that you've got Inanna who wore certain garments that were considered protection garments. She wore heavy full length coat, the pala, which was connected to palladium as well. So were these garments some sort of technology? that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had access to because they were connected to God and were connected to angelic beings, and this protected them in this portaling system. And as they were in this portaling system, God himself came and walked with them and talked with them, and he pulled them out. But I think that's very telling that they put on this clothing and were protected. I'm not saying that God himself can't protect somebody. They could walk in there butt naked and God could protect them. But I find it fascinating that this scripture is very uh, adamant at the fact that they put on this clothing. Could this also be connected to the verses in the Bible that talk about the armor of God? Is the armor of God not just a metaphorical thing 
but is it also a literal thing? And were they putting on the armor of God in this situation? You got the Shagura helmet of salvation and the pala coat that I just mentioned. Were these this technology that they put on to protect them when he tried to throw them basically in the ziggurat, in, in this portaling system on this ziggurat, because he basically rebuilt Babel mm-hmm. when he built the Hanging Gardens. That's why he did it. This was an ode to Nimrod. He, he, he was further away, further down the line, but it was an ode to what Nimrod had, and he knew that there was a access gate to get to uh, these other entities mm-hmm. here in this area. We know that. So, yeah, I, I think that it's very possible that they weren't just thrown into a regular fire, that this was something else that was metaphysical, that they survived, but they knew how to survive it. They were alchemists, and yeah. they knew what they needed to do. I had the He had the the Chirac 3000s on his feet, you know, because they were brand new at that time, and they had <laughs> just come out. So that that's a really fascinating story because the way that they painted out is like, they came back with an extraterrestrial or like an alien or something from like another dimension with them that was in there, right? The, the, the three becomes four. And the interesting part about all this Nebuchadnezzar and this portal and the rebuilding of Babylon, well, the interesting part to all this is that the how the conspiracy goes is that Saddam Hussein believed he was the reincarnation of Nebuchadnezzar and he wanted to follow up on that that goal of rebuilding Babylon. So the weapons of mass destruction, according to the conspiracy, and the reason that they stayed so so much time over in Iraq was because they were actually trying to get a hold of this portaling technology that allegedly Saddam Hussein had, and that was the weapons of mass destruction. Right. Because they visit all these ancient sites. They I know that during wars, they usually destroy these sacred sites. I know that Trump, when he was I forgot who he was, he was trying to threaten. And he told the the people overseas, they're like, yeah, we're going to hit your ancient sites and we're going to hit them hard. You know, I'm paraphrasing, but he was threatening their ancient almost like, what are you getting at? Right. And there is a plaque at the at this. Let me find it here. I had it. Golly. Anyways, there's a plaque. Uh, when Saddam heard that Nebuchadnezzar had stamped the bricks of ancient Babylon with his name and titles, he ordered that the reconstruction mimicked this practice. To this day, in the maze behind the southern palace, scores of bricks are stamped with a declaration. In the reign of the victorious Saddam Hussein, the president of the Republic, may God keep him the guardian of the great Iraq and the renovator of its renaissance and the builder of its great civilization. The rebuilding of the great city of Babylon was done in 1987. And it's weird because, so there's a plaque. This is the plaque here that says that. And it's kind of misleading because I I saw on some other sites where it said uh, Saddam Hussein of the Nebuchadnezzar lineage, something or other, like almost like saying that he was actually part of this Nebuchadnezzar family line. You know, I'm rebuilding Iraq, but according to that, again, I can't read this stuff, so I wouldn't know. But that's what I love about sometimes you see these memes on the internet or these videos people post, like, look at Putin threatening the United States. And it's like, and 
their language, but then they have the English subtitles. I was like, you can't trust yeah. that. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't trust what they're saying. I mean, look at all those fake uh, uh, sign language people, man. Remember all those people that were just like, <laughs> yeah, they were yeah. like, they were, and they had jobs for years, man. And then someone was like, hey, man, that's not sign language, bro. Like, that's crazy, right? You imagine finessing hey, somebody like that. You were just talking about that uh, with Saddam Hussein. Well, George Bush Senior ran the CIA. And when he came into power, he started that first, you know, Iraq war, but it didn't pan out the way that they wanted to initially. So then you had 9-11 happen and his son took over. And part of that is some of the stuff I've been reading that the reason why they wanted to get over there was to get a hold of the ziggurat of Ur. Yes. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, this is this is wild, man. They built the U.S. built an airbase next to it mm-hmm. during the war. Just, they it's built a coincidence, an airbase. Sure. It's just a coincidence. But it's funny that rumors and hearsay mention that demonic entities were howling in the structure, and bizarre phenomenon was seen for years, even later after that they left. So I believe that you're right. I think that Saddam Hussein had access to whatever portal, whether he had it open or not, he had access to it. I think the weapons of mass destruction were real. That sounds like a pretty yeah. nasty weapon of mass destruction. It just wasn't the weapons that they were telling us. Yeah. And I think that we wanted to bogart that technology, which we did. It was never about oil. It was never about oil. Here's the thing. When you look at Iraq, Afghanistan, there were other places that were way more saturated with oil than where they went and said so i think oil was the back cover story it was the war but then the back cover story for the just the just the mid-level conspiracy theorists like they're doing it for oil the deeper level was there were stargates and portals that were going on that saddam hussein had access to originally and a matter of fact you just look at Afghanistan and any of those places, they're hotbeds for Nephilim activity mm-hmm. and occultic Giants activity. Too. So, right. That's the real war that was going on behind yeah. the scenes. Well, I think the most war- of the, cons- the conspiracy people were saying that it was the poppy fields, which we did see an increase in opioids after like the uh, oh, insurgents of Iraq. Yeah, but sure. also one thing that I think it kind of uh, dispels too is that there is not this one group of people running the world. Mm. Now, it's just a bunch of people pulling for power, right? Because why mm. would you want to take that from Saddam? You know what I mean? Be, if, if if he's not on your team, it's because, no, no, we want it. We want to be, I think that's why that they have not been able to get their ultimate plans. Like, I think they talk to entities in the fallen and this whole occultic aspect, but they never get anything quite done because, they're pulling for power. It's the ego. It's, uh, you know, what you were talking about Nimrod earlier, right? He's trying, he's so determined to become, which I'm, I'm kind of with you that he's probably, because it makes sense, right? On a logical level, like, what's his motivation? I want to become like you. I want to be a god. I want to be this Nephilim. I want to be this incredible creature that I'm going to rule the world just like you. That, that drives his ego to build this portaling system. And I think that there are all these different portals. And the reason that we don't see a lot of act as much activity is because I don't think that everything's been harnessed. And I think there's not as enough uh, connection. I think that's why they want the globalization where there is some kind of 
body of people that are kind of running it. Because right now it's like a bunch of factions that are like, no, 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 I got it. Like we talk, it's like, uh, uh, you know, wrestling, man. It's like the Judgment Day. Like they got to get all the belts, man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, think about this. Here's here's another side note on the Saddam Hussein thing. And I like what you said, Sean, but there's another way you can look at it, too, that Saddam Hussein was never killed, that Saddam Hussein was in on this, and he faked his death and then helped move this into a different sphere. Like, he never cared about his country at all. He was about the the bigger story. Or I'm sorry. But why would they have to do all that, though? Because why, you if mean? you can't beat him, join him. Like, why would they have—I know, but I'm saying—no, I I get that, but, like, if he faked his death and all that— I know, but for what optics? Like, they could have just easily, like, if there's just a Stargate and you're, and you're kind of just cool with this dude, because we put Saddam in power, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And we go over there, and then we're just like, oh, yeah, now uh, we don't like you. So, we're like, it just said, I just think that, like, unless they didn't know about it, unless they, like, recently discovered it, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't see why they would have to put on that show, because they could just go in there and be like, hey, man, it's sell them out. Like, yo, like, hey, yo, bro, yo. we'll just give you a, a ton of money. You know what I mean? But we'll think give about you this. as much power as you want. War uh, generates a lot of money. A lot. And so we were there for a long time. No, generating but, it but, I'm saying then, but then I'm saying, so they're like, hey, we have this Stargate over there, which there's other Stargates and other things. They're like, hey, we're going to go to this specific one, which I do agree because it's like considered the holy land in all those areas. Like every religion kind of almost every major mainstream religion agrees to that point. But what I'm saying is. You're going to start a war over there when you already have the guy on your side. Mm-hmm. Like for what? I know it's profitable, but you could just you could go anywhere else to be profitable in war. I'm just saying, like, I don't see that. Maybe he got another word now to what would make more sense to me is maybe there's these other factions. Right. Yeah. And a faction's like, hey, man, I like that Stargate over there, bro. Like, you know, let me let me kind of uh, get that off you. You know, let, let let my people work on it and see if we could get it going. So maybe like I a think, Putin then, kind of like Putin yeah. got installed and then Putin kind of went off the rails. I can that's see how that I kind of see just yeah. just to push it. It just makes makes it think that like that's why not a, now. Not saying it can't be done, that it won't be done, but at this moment, there's so much ego driven that it's hard for their plans to completely fall together. Mm-hmm. But I think the globalization, what they are pushing, there's enough people trying to get involved in that. That's where we would see the damage. And I think that when you you connect them, like I think what you you have to have all these on, right? I don't think they're all active right now. I think the no. only ones that are active, in my opinion, are like from the fallen or from God Himself, right? Anything like that. That's the only ones active right now. And I think there's very few. The ones that like uh, Stonehenge, I think that was also uh, something they were trying to like, hey, this is a portal. Once you get that main one, and that's why I was like kind of bringing up that Sri Lanka thing. You When you look at the map, like they have this uh, circle, right? And it's like looks a bunch of fish. And it's even weird because there's some kind of creature. It almost looks like it's supposed to be evolution, right? There's like this like mermish type of creature and maybe like possibly a man, but mainly fish. And it's like a water and it's separated. It's a circle that's separated from the other circle. And you see in the middle of the map is uh, the ring system, which I found kind of crazy, too. Can you do that it's again, kinda... Sean? What, what was the, the ring system? The ring, <laughs> ring system? The first circle but was the dome. It, it, rem- it reminds me of what Mario talked about. The rings of, of, of Flat Earth, right? Where he was saying there's all these different layers and there's eight layers. Mm-hmm. But if you go to the top left... Uh, not completely to the left, but like to the top farthest left, there's a smaller, almost identical circle within circle and circle and circle 
that it looks like there's these two points. Now, some people think that this is like the universe. But what I also found interesting is there's these umbrellas. Right. And we all know about like umbrellas, like, uh, you know, Rihanna and, and different demons and rain. I found it interesting that they're drawing umbrellas in, you know, 377 B.C. Right. Mm -hmm. Like so that has there's a lot of symbolism that I can't even fully detect. But even when you look at it, too, it also could look like some kind of like chip or similar to a motherboard or something they use in a computer mm. because like mm -hmm. you know how you have all the copper lines and they're separated you could see that there's yeah. connections so i think that this is some kind of map to like and then you see all the little x ones i think those are earth like and then these are the main points of the different dimensions and these are the the little x ones are like the earth the, again th this is just my speculation that it's these portals on earth that you can go through the hollow yeah. earth to get to different strategical locations so so, and to point out, right, Saddam, and I mentioned earlier, Saddamic time travel. So I'm just saying, sure. I'm just saying. And the idea where you're talking about, I like that, Sean, where you're talking about that there is not one, there's not one group in power. It's a, you know, a constant fight of constant battle for power of these different groups. And I don't even think that they need these portals anymore. I'll be honest, because, and the reason that mm. we don't need these portals anymore is because we're on a portal right now. We're on the World Wide Web on a portal where you sign in and essentially the sure. Internet is a sort of dimension where you tap into. And I know we did that, the occult origins of of technology and how that plays a part into this. Right. And the idea of let me pull up here. This idea of the elites having. Access to time travel technology right i'm sure you guys have heard of the right the baron trump the adventures of baron trump because mm -hmm. this kind of ties into the hollow earth that you keep talking about sean right where this story kind of there's a resemblance here of baron trump to the baron trump right and this painting was made this sketch was made before in the 1800s before this could have they could have even known what he looked like he wasn't even born and then you tie in the tesla connection and the grandfather, the uncle of, of Donald Trump and how he had supposedly gotten some Tesla tech that could have potentially been this either time traveling or Stargate technology or something. Because I think it's all the same thing. Right. Or it's mm -hmm. magic, essentially, is what it is. And they were able to go right. And, the, and then in this story, in this collection of stories, he follows like the ant people into hollow earth and they show him all these different things. So there's that connection there. But I think that. Right, the resemblance of the Sri Lanka thing looking like some sort of Enochian type of inscription, right? I mean, we go back to that idea of maybe things need to be aligned a certain way for it to activate, right? I mean, we know in the Stargate, mm. they have to align the sides, boom, 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 for it to actually open up. Well, whatever needs to be a, a time of day or a time of year, or you need certain elements to be present when you're opening that up. Well, I mean, again, talking about the, the occult connection, we had talked about the Google Sycamore processor of the quantum computer that supposedly created this holographic wormhole using this quantum computer. Now they had debunked this. We talked about it on that episode, but Sycamore in mythology is a tree 
that links the world of the living with the world of the dead. <laughs> and then Google names their quantum processor that opened up a, a wormhole, which I'm sure is fine, right? No, nothing's coincidence. Gonna, it's just a coincidence. <laughs> just a coincidence. They name it after this tree in mythology, and I believe it's an Egyptian mythology, that links these two worlds. Almost like, again, like a gateway or portal or something or other. And where we touched on the idea of angels and the idea of how they might have been around during the time of these biblical times and then we know we have the flood we have all these different things and maybe things thinned out a little bit well we have the idea talking about earlier when we were talking about crowley and the imagination and consciousness maybe perhaps being transported to other realms well there's the idea of the mundus imaginalis right where the Mundus Imaginalis is this world that's sandwiched in between the real world that we can perceive and then God, right? And in this mm. Mundus Imaginalis exists the angels, right? God is at the very top, the ultimate, the Godhead, the one, the source. And then in between that, there's this imaginary world that is still a world in its own that maybe you're able to tap into through scrying or sleep or whatever technology you're able to tap into that and there are things in that world that exist right but you're not physically going there maybe perhaps you're astrally projecting there or being transported there through some sort of device right we have this idea right? that plays into that plays into paul talking about in the bible that he saw three heavens and in the Dead Sea Scrolls, it talks about seven heavens. So there are different layers, I think, even in the supernatural realm. So that would play into there being certain uh, levels to it. Even in the book of Enoch, it talks about certain angels were closer to God mm -hmm. than other angels were. Uh, you had the seraphim, which were the absolute closest. You had the thrones, and then you had you know the cherubim. They were the three that were in the throne room, so they would have been in that upper portion where you had other angels. Yeah, they could probably slide in and out through all of them, but maybe there is a dimension that they kind of play in. It's like a, a middle dimension that we could get access to as well. Maybe that's where Eden is at in this dimension that's more of a— connector that was never supposed to be severed from earth maybe that's what happened like you said it thinned out at over like over this time period where we became less and less connected to god that that piece got thinned out and we didn't have access to that so when we get into that realm it's more like In the <laughs> so <laughs> the book of enoch right chapter 33 is an 33. interesting chapter, right? Right, 33. And from, and from thence I went to the end of the earth and saw their great beasts, and each deferred from the other. And I saw birds also deferring in appearance and beauty and voice, and the one deferring from the other. And, to, and, and this, is the part that, this is the part that got me thinking. I was like, what? And to the east of those beasts, I saw the end of the earth whereon the heaven rests, and the portals of the heaven open. Okay. Read that again. And to the east of those beasts, I saw the ends of the earth whereon the heaven rests and the portals of the heaven open. And I saw how the stars of heaven come forth. And I counted the portals out of which they proceed. 
and wrote down all their outlets of each individual star by myself, according to their number and their names and their courses and their positions and their times and their months, as Uriel, the holy angel, was who was with me, showed me. He showed all things to me and wrote them down for me. Also, their names he wrote for me and their laws and their companies. So, this, this stood out to me. Brought to you by chapter 33. 33. So, this stood out to me. A, a few things stood out to me and a few things just came to me now. Where almost, they're almost talking about how stars, right, counted the pores out of which they proceeded. So, there's multiple portals going on, multiple stars. And maybe I've heard the idea of stars being portals to other dimensions. Mm, and how maybe yeah, the I've... stars are actually pinholes in the firmament and whatever's on the other side is peeking its way through. Now, the first, let's break this down first with the and to the east of those beasts. I saw the ends of the earth where the heaven rests and the portals of the heaven open. This is chapter 33, and there's been something that's always bugged me. And I go, you know, we're, we talk about how history is not what it seems, right? Things aren't what we've presented, that they've been presented to us as, right? There's there's things that have been occulted from us. And it, I think it relates to the book of Enoch especially, and the reason why it's non-canon, because in the book of Enoch, after he's done, he becomes... Le the lesser Yahweh, right? He becomes this crazy angel being this entity. He went through a transmutation, right? Now, For wasn't that, though, in the second book of Enoch? Three Enoch. Or third. Yeah, third. Yeah, because the original book of Enoch is the one that everybody wants in canon. But yes. there were two others that were said to not be written by Enoch himself. Mm -hmm. There were supposed to be some rabbis that wrote those. And that's when he becomes Metatron, yes. correct, in the yep. third one. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and the, and, the and the third Enoch, which, again— those are up for debate, but this idea, and, and I believe this is from this is from the third Enoch. I think this this particular passage. Uh, I, again, don't quote me on that, but chapter thirty three, nonetheless. And the to the east of those beasts, right? That stood out to me the the east part because I go. We've always been presented that north is north, right? Never, I always go never eat sour waffles or sour wheat or soggy waffles, right? North east southwest well what if that's been tainted this entire time what if that's been something that they've fed to us that's not what it seems and it would seem that it's not what it seems because in every single masonic tracing board that you see east is actually up right south is where east would be and then west is where south would be and then north is where west would be so to the east of those beasts, I saw the portals open up. Well, what if the Masons are onto something with this? Because if you look at these Masonic tracing boards, east is always to the top. And we associate, right, Jacob's Ladder, the east, it's up here, up, right? East. Now, that's up. something you're supposed to, as a Mason, um, you say to other Masons, look to the east. That's a really very common uh, phrase that you say to other masons it's always look look to the east so that is a that is that is definitely deep in masonic um theology and everything else so yes it makes a lot of sense as far as you know what you're saying it being up so what really is east at that point well, right look to the east well look up is what they're telling you to and, do and how you said that this this book might have been compromised, right? The third of Enoch, and it's talking about the beasts 
you know, e east of the beasts. Well, what if again there was some infiltration, perhaps, and they're trying to plant some 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 nods, right? Like if you know, you know, and this is something that's always stood out to me. Like, what if the actual right? Because we always associate right the 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 third hidden obscured pillar, the the Jacob's ladder up towards wherever, and we're talking about portals, gateways, star whatever they are, right? And it talks about the stars in this particular 33rd chapter. So I go, what are the Masons on that they probably aren't obviously revealing because they're a, a, an occulted group? But I found it very, very, very interesting. They're a bunch of dicks. Yeah. We want to share all the knowledge, man. <laughs> Jerks. So, <laughs> yeah, that stood out to me, right, with the book of Enoch. And then this idea in architecture, a portal is, again, a doorway, a gateway. Mm -hmm. You enter and we've talked about interdimensional gateways. Well, in Pythagorean palaces, you get all, you get the physical, you get the metaphysical, you get all that. And the people who use uh, these Pythagorean palaces are Masons, right? These Masonic lodges are always built to certain standards. And what it is, is the way I've heard it put before is right when you align to certain Pythagorean palaces, which the Masons are, right? They, they, it's, it's, and, and he's in their imagery. When you align it to these certain mathematical principles, you're able to elevate the consciousness of that building upwards. And not only that, but you're able to then open up that area for theurgical purposes. And by theurgy, I mean involving these higher entities, either they be angels, demonic, or otherwise to invite them in because they're able, right? Angels, angles. I mean, it's kind of sort of the same thing. I think that's what they're getting at. And they're able to come through easier, right? We talked about, uh, we, we, I've covered on my show about sacred geometry and how maybe perhaps people with, <laughs> with sacred geometry tattoos can open themselves up for demonic possession as a sort of sigil or gateway that these entities are able to go in through, right? So that's for sure though. I know of some stories of people who were told by entities to get these sigils on their bodies to help them oof. be able to have access to, to other dimensions. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tramp stamp, right? Or like, <laughs> like Dr. What's his name? Dr. The superhero. What the hell's his name? Strange. Dr. Strange. When they do the sigils and all that yep. stuff and it opens up portals. Well, that idea, right, of perhaps this sacred geometry is used again. It can be used for good or evil. I think it's, it, you can use it interchangeably. Uh, but then another thing that, that where I talked about the Mundus Amandanas, and I was supposed to say this part too, there's this idea of a chapel perilous where, right, maybe perhaps you don't even have to travel anywhere to go into another dimension. And we could be in another dimension right now and not even know it. And the Chapel Perilous is an interesting concept, right? Because the Chapel Perilous, according to right, Robert Anton Wilson, he talks about the Chapel Perilous is also a term referring to a psychological state in which an individual is uncertain whether a course of events was affected by a supernatural force or was a product of their own imagination. It was used by writer and philosopher Robert Anton Wilson in his 1977 book, Cosmic Trigger. According to Wilson, being in this state leads the subject to become either paranoid, paranoid or agnostic. In his opinion, there is no third way. The term, and then they use it here, 
the eight circuit model of consciousness and Ali's book Chapel Perilous is a rite of passage when moving between the four lower circuits of consciousness to the higher circuits. So again, it's this limbo state. And the way I've heard it put before is like when you're in Chapel Perilous, like there's only one way out and usually people don't make it out. They go insane. And that kind of is a nod to like the abyss that these these goetic magicians were like messing with and maybe perhaps they were taken over by other entities all these different things you know like like the faustian bargain you can either give up your soul or you know or you know have all the wisdom in the world or give up your soul like you know which are, are you going to do it you're not going to do it so this psychological chapel perilous has always been something that, that interests me because you don't know when you're in it you don't know when you're going to jump in it and there's like no way out you just go crazy so again this sort of right your consciousness or your mind goes into some sort of portal and it just makes me think of people with like schizophrenia and how they are able to perceive things differently than the regular people like what if their their minds are in another frequency right where they got knocked yeah they're seeing through that like that veil, uh, that veil. yeah and i i really do believe that because i'm telling you like my i have some of the most intense dreams like people say, like you should smoke, like if you smoke, you shouldn't have dreams. Like I still have intense dreams, and they also seem like completely different realities. Mm -hmm. Where I'm like a figure in that reality, but I don't understand that reality, right? Like I'm like, well, I don't know anybody here, but for some reason, everybody knows me. Yeah. Like I'm part of this place, and so I think that the mind is like really traveling a lot. Oh, hundred percent, bro. Hundred. I got one for you, just to tie that in no. to the government. Well, think about this. 1978 at Fort Meade, Maryland, Stargate, the Stargate Project was a secret U.S. Army unit. And their whole uh, the whole project was built around taking people and teaching them or if they already had uh, psychic abilities, teaching them how to use those for the government. So that was Oof. Project Stargate. That it was actually a. A, uh, essentially a mental portal that people were opening um, and were able to uh, do do a number of things. I mean, there, there was just uh, so many different ones that you could do, um, you know, when you're talking about uh, psychic abilities. But they were training people to be able to use these abilities for the government, and they called it Project Stargate. So that ties the Stargate into the mind itself mm -hmm. and being able to portal into other consciousness uh, using just the mind. Sean, you were talking about walking in dreams and and it seeming real. Well, that's what the government was doing in 1978. They were yeah. taking people who had these abilities naturally and training them to use their abilities for the government. And we've seen it on a ton of shows. We've seen it in a ton of movies, fictional movies. You've seen it in comic book movies, everything else that this is happening. Well, this was an actual project. This is not something that's made up. You can look it up. It's in Wikipedia for, cry yeah. for crying out loud. So you can look this up. So it's a real thing. And in Stranger Things, right? Because uh, Sean brought up the, the Montauk project and all this stuff. The, the keys were the machines that could open up the gates to the upside down, right? So you have the mm. keys, a sort of technology, CERN looking kind of technology that was able to open up these portals Right. The keys, how ironic, because they were able to open up rifts and 
space and time. And then on the other side, usually they were on a tree, right? Almost like. Well, and like you said earlier, like keys to open up doors, right? Mm -hmm. We're said, like you said, the basic term for a portal is like a doorway. Yeah. So you need that yeah. key. Yeah. And earlier you talked about us already being in portals, right? With these, the web and the screens. Yeah. Well, Lithuania and po uh, in Poland, which are like, uh, I think it's like 375 miles apart. That's what it says, right? They have a portal. During the pandemic, they built a portal that has a camera that you can see what's going on in Lithuania. And then you they can go look for the other side, which has a camera that shows them uh, in Poland. It's 24 hours a day. And they, they can see that. And I think that is more proof of that. Maybe you're more right about that. Maybe it's not that they need certain things just to do the Stargates or anything. They've revamped them, right? Mm -hmm. It's turning into a whole another project they're they're taking these information that they study from what, what what joel was talking about our dreams and we know the multitudes of the different mk ultra programs you know that went on different mind control stuff as well as projects like the manhattan project and the philadelphia experiment where there was these to me it's a little bit of like the alchemical, just like talking to you guys a lot and like kind of a lot of these elements and then you add that, that uh, a shout out to uh, Joel and uh, uh, Juan right there for uh, t teaching everybody Thanks, about Alchemists. <laughs> but no, it's uh, something that they're modernizing. And I think that people should check out that Lithuania, Poland, little Stargate. It's supposed to be like a screen, but it's just kind of like getting used to it. I remember also there was that video that went viral for a while where that hologram store it was like on a beachfront. People had showed it like, you know, you could walk in and you could see the whole hologram, which also emulated a portal as well. And in that project, Stargate, the term remote viewing came out of that project. Mm. So that was when those terms, uh, when those two words came out of that project. So this is we know people. Hell, Sean, we've had people on our show that are remote viewers, and I'm sure you have too, Juan. So there are people that can remote view that are tapping into some sort of other dimension to be able to move their mm -hmm. consciousness into an area to see what's going on in this other spot. They're essentially portaling their minds. They're stargating their minds to another place. So that's a whole other aspect of this stargate, not just the physical being able to move in and out, but your mental capacity being able mm -hmm. to move in and out of some sort of portaling or stargate system too. And to Joel's point that most of these people are military trained, like where they get it from, like they get it from now, maybe they were like the guys not in the military anymore, but he learned these tactics from military guys like in different factions. So it's not just some made up, uh, you know, hooey hooey shit. And as we come to a close here, I know we recently had the Lionsgate portal. And again, I'm not. I think astrology is fake and gay. It's, this is not my cup of tea, but... Uh, Hush up, boy. <laughs> but I... Again, we were talking about the Freemasons earlier, and in Royal Arch, or Arc Freemasonry, there's this idea of cancer, and Mario from Symbolic Study, shout out to him, he does a great job at breaking this down. I, I don't know a lot about it. But this idea of this being some sort of portal, right? And some people are like, oh, yeah, the astrological signs, right? The first one, the last one. There's something about the soul traveling in and out, whatever. You have the seven stars, right? And the idea that Joel talked about earlier, the aligning of the chakras. Well, there were, there were a lot of ancient cultures that would, they believed that if they aligned 
their seven chakras with the seven stars of Ursa Major that they could, if they could emulate that, they could trans, and they were literally worshiping these stars, almost like if it was some sort of portal, right? We know that the Nazis had the swastika, well, the swastika is related to this, right? And in the center is that Polaris, the, you know, pole star in the center. Well, and we got done looking at the 33 Enoch chapter at the North Pole is this poor toll. Well, what are the, again, what are the Freemasons occulting here and with their knowledge? <laughs> that scared the shit out of me. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I just could hear somebody yelling that as soon, you know, Masons! Yeah, it's like bro. they're getting all mad. <laughs> Masons are fake and gay. Shaking their fists. You damn Masons! <laughs> if it wasn't for you meddling kids. <laughs> yeah. So this idea of, again, either portals for the spirit, portals physically, portals for your consciousness, portals for your portals, for your portals on the portals, portals, right? Who knows? But I think it's interesting to... Uh, or interesting, your porthole. Yeah, it's the interesting. It's an interesting concept to think about, and like I said, there's the possibility how we've talked about earlier that these things aren't activated, that they aren't active right now, and maybe they might become active another time, or mm -hmm. things aren't just the way they were, and they have to be built back up. But I think that we have a working portal that is literally sucking everybody in with social media, right? The World Wide Web that was created at CERN. Okay, the worldwide was created at CERN, and they're sucking everyone's attention in to these portals, these apps, these things that are taken. And data is a hot commodity nowadays. Attention is a hot commodity nowadays. So I don't think they need this old tech, right? They've upgraded to the 2.0 where they can bring the portals to people's homes, their TVs, their phones, mm -hmm. their computers, their laptops, and they're taking people away from their family, from their kids, from whatever they're trying to do. And they're sucked in to these phones a hundred percent every single day. Yeah. Almost right? getting hit, man. I almost hit a, a teenager the other day in just a parking lot. I, I was watching though. I mean, I didn't almost hit him, but I just watched him the whole time. I was like, I get it, bro. I'd be looking at my phone sometimes too walking, but you mean, you still gotta be like looking yeah. like they're just like, there's zombies. I was like, man, know? yeah, they're, it took the, the kid about, I would say a good three to five minutes to notice like they were about to what? Like I saw him walking, so I stopped for a while. But I was like, let me just see how long it takes this person. And I and they barely they came up on me. So if I was driving and I wasn't paying Did attention, you kiss him? no, I I didn't want to hit him. I was like, <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna get the finish him. No, no, I, I have that one too. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the uh... space. <laughs> Is fake and gay. Which one's this one? You can't handle the truth. There we go. Let me talk to Embarrassing. <laughs> let, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You don't try to lie to the, the don't laugh. <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> no, I don't have that one, but yeah, that's 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 all I got, boys. You guys you want to add anything else before we get out of here? Just that I think that uh, they're like you said. I don't think they're active anymore, but I think that there's a lot of possibilities, and people should look into it and see that this is a new form 
like I said, that Poland, Lithuanian, that they're bringing it out in bigger spectrums. It's not just our phones. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see it within like Times Square where you have TVs everywhere where it's a constant distraction. And they found new ways to manipulate us. Joel? Yeah, I thought you bringing up the zodiac there at the end was interesting in the fact that nimrod himself looked at the maseroth which was the hebrew zodiac and saw that abraham was on his way so he was super connected to the maseroth he tried to kill abraham as a baby before he got here he actually pulled his father in there and asked him to bring his son in so what abraham's father did he took one of the other sons and gave it to uh nimrod to kill so he actually brought him another kid to kill in his place so nimrod thought he killed abraham and then found out later he didn't but they were already in a cave system living for about three years until abraham was old enough because nimrod was told through the stars through the maseroth that abraham was going to lead the Israelites, he was going to take basically take over wow. and he tried to stop him from happening. So, yeah, the the Hebrew Maseroth is very interesting in that it's been around since the dawn of time. And I believe in from what I've read that that version of the Zodiac, because it wasn't called the Zodiac, then it was the Maseroth, that it told of the coming of Jesus and it told of the coming of different figures that were coming down the pipeline. So I believe that there were fallen entities that corrupted that into the Zodiac, which was astrology was brought in the book. Enoch talks about that by the fallen Mm -hmm. angels and it was retaught to humans. And then it was taken in as the real way to read it by these Freemasons and whatever other groups that are behind the scenes. That's the hidden knowledge, the esoteric knowledge of what these symbols actually mean. So I think that the Maseroth or the original Zodiac was always there. The, the, the stories were told in the stars for us. We just weren't supposed to worship the stars. And I think fallen entities taught us to worship those stars and adhere to those stars as they're almost gods. And I think that's where astrology can lead people astray in the sense of they're looking to those things to guide them mm-hmm. instead of actual God to guide them. Such when the stars when the stars in the Maseroth or the original Zodiac was just telling a story, it was just showing us what was to come. It wasn't there for us to worship or, or follow or, or bow down to. So I think that was the corruption. Yeah. It's not, it's not that you're a Sagittarius. No, you're a piece of shit is what you are. So don't blame your <laughs> astrological sign for being a, a bad human being. All right. <laughs> well, what they do is uh, just a quick point off that to piggyback off you guys, you're all right, but it's also, what people use as an excuse to not grow, right? Mm-hmm. They go, oh, I wish, but I'm a bitch, but I'm just a Scorpio. Or, oh, man, <laughs> I'm just a, a weak person because I'm this blah, 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 whatever yeah, it is. That's true. And it's it, the same thing they do with, like, mental health crisis is when you're like, bro, yeah, but you can do better, idiot. Like, you know, I have to be like, oh, man, I'm late all the time. What can I do? It's impossible. You know what I mean? It's harder. Like, you know, what was that one thing that we talked about? It was like time, time blindness. Yeah, time blindness. <laughs> that's a real thing. <laughs> this girl was complaining because her job was go- was going to fire her because she was late. And she's like, I can't help it. I have time blindness. I don't know what time is. So I can't, if I'm out to eat and I'm out there for an hour and a half for lunch, she's like, it's not my fault. I just don't know how to look at the time. <laughs> uh, I, 
I <laughs> good luck with that one. <laughs> well, boys, it's another one for the books. It was a good yep. one. And yeah, you can find me at the Juan on Juan podcast on all social media platforms, YouTube, X or Twitter, whatever you want to call it, TikTok, Instagram, all that stuff. TJOJP.com. Check me out. Thank you for being here. And you guys want to plug your stuff, your website? Kill the Mockingbirds podcast on Instagram. Van Tesla Music on Instagram. Sean Chris Music on Instagram. And go to killthemockingbirds.com for the podcast. Uh, we have a disinformation section that we actually put up documents and different files and papers that uh, you can use in arguments against other people. <laughs> as well, go stop by our merch store and we got a, a good old dog man the new uh dog man's the new bigfoot tea and uh i think we got another one coming up but i i don't know if we could announce it we could probably announce it but we won't <laughs> <laughs> yeah we got five shirts up there now and we're gonna have a sixth one in about a week so and if people like nephilim we have the nephilim portal baby shirt mm -hmm. as well that's a hot item right now. It is. Right on. Check out killthemockingbirds.com. Appreciate you guys for being here. As always, catch you on the next one. Make sure to leave a five-star review. Bye-bye.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.